Okay, well, I'm going to be ducking and diving over a few different places this morning. I wonder if you turn to Judges 15. Might start there. Right there, right there. Judges 15 on your phone. Do da, do da. Judges 15 on your phone. Oh, do da day. I can't see your phone right now. Do da, do da. <laughs> I can't see your phone right now. Oh, do da day. Right, Judges 15. I mean, hanging out in Judges a bit this last month for whatever reason, I kind of looking at some of the history back there and I'm like, oh my goody aunt. Um, and then I got to the story of Samson with the long hair, Samson and Delilah. And I was just reading about him and I was reading about foxes that destroy the vineyard. So he got married um, and uh, this, not to Delilah, the first, first marriage before her, um, and this woman betrayed him, found out, because he was trying to, at the, at the wedding banquet, tell a, a riddle, um, and she's the only one she told the, he told the riddle to, and she told all the enemies about the answer to the riddle, so then Samson owed them a lot. And there came problems between them, and eventually Samson just walked away, disconnected from her, and left. And so the people handed her over to then be with Samson's right-hand man. You will give your woman to him then. So some some anger would have been fired up in Samson, can you imagine? And in chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, just wild to that anyway, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, put a torch between each pair of tails. So think of us three-legged race. We want to do it in the right way together. This is the wrong way. So they're all tied to each other. He put a torch between each set, there'll be 299 torches probably and when he had set the torches on fire he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the philistines and burned up both the 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 stocks the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and the olive groves with 300 foxes the week that i read that two or three people talked to me about the scripture in song of solomon um chapter 2 verse 15 Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyards that are in bloom. Two or three people. Then I drove home, I think it was at Burning Ones or 24-hour prayer. I know I drove home in the night, and just before I got home, a fox ran in front of me on the road. Okay, I got to the point where I'm like, I didn't know there were foxes in Australia. I had that moment first. Sorry. <laughs> I d- wasn't, didn't grow up here. Um, I knew they weren't African animals, but I uh, was like, oh, there's a... But but that's how much it was. I've never seen a fox here in the 10 years I've been here. He came out, looked at me, crossed the road, went into the bush. I went, this feels prophetic. And as I read that that day, and as the scripture of catch the foxes, catch the foxes, protect the grain, protect the grain. So I'm feeling that the Lord's doing a bit of a theme here. So I spoke to, to Ali and I said, ah, oh, this is all the Lord told me. And she goes, yeah, I already know. I know. <laughs> she says, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in our intercession on Tuesdays with the ladies as we get together and we're listening for what are the foxes. So that's why we've been praying into different territorial things, different spirits of Jezebel, different repenting for things. We've been cleaning, cleaning, cleaning as we go. Not just the region there, but inside the church. She's like, we listen for what's going on in the church. And if it's like, we feel like there's div- division in here, then they pray into that that week. The next week, they just feel like there's bit of talking about each other or talking about leadership they pray they pray they pray they're guarding the flock guarding the flock isn't that beautiful so today i wanted to give permission for more people to have a bit of insight and today i want to talk about jealousy 
I'm going to talk about jealousy and what can happen, because why? Why Why would this one start rearing its head? I'm seeing it rearing its head. Have any of you seen it rearing its head? Is it rearing its head in you, some of you? It's because we're in transition. What happens in a season of upgrade? People start to take new places. What happens to people who have jealousy dormant in their heart when people are starting to take their places? It starts to come up for the first time. So it's natural that in a season where we are starting to really step and take into new ground, and in particular, we as core in this church have felt it's the time, it's the right time to start handing over authority in greater measures to people in the, bod- in the body, you. So there's different people that we're starting to go, come up, come up higher. That's what an apostolic community does. We don't use you for our vision. We say, come up, what's on your heart? What's on your heart? And as the Lord has been doing, especially the last 18 months, a real work of healing in our hearts, a real, yeah, some of us have just done that hard slog. And it's like, it's, it's now it's safe enough. We are safe enough as people for the Lord to go, okay, step into the next thing. So I've seen people stepping forward the last couple of weeks, and it's been so exciting. People rising up, people getting bolder, people getting free, people starting to speak in public, people starting to be able to pray more, people starting to lead things. And even if it's jumping in the deep end, it's the paradox way, isn't it? How many of you know that way? It's all the way from the beginning. It's just jump in. And my dad said the expression, he goes, yeah, we call it on the mission field, build a ship on the water. And that's kind of how it's been in our history, hasn't it? Not because out of craziness or lack of wisdom, but it's just been, come on, I, I am the equipper of you, says the Lord. I will equip you. I just need your loaves and fishes. We're a loaves and fishes church. And so people are starting to step into things. So it's natural that dormant jealousy, maybe we didn't even know we're jealous people. Maybe that's like for years and years we never had it. It's very natural. It shows its head now. It's also very important that we catch it now we catch the little foxes, we deal with it well, and we move forward without it. Is that okay? So there's absolutely no condemnation. When I'm speaking today, no shame. I just pray a protection over us in the name of Jesus. Any accusation, condemnation, just pray protection over that. That is not our heart, and that is not the purpose of this. It is not wise counseling when someone has a problem for the person listening me to go, stop it. Just stop it. So I'm not going, okay, if you're jealous, Stop it. Have any of you seen that little YouTube clip of the person who goes for counselling? And she goes in, and he's like, okay, well, it'll cost this amount, and and it'll probably just be a five-minute session. Okay, pay it now. Okay, so she tells him her fear. Well, stop it. And that's all he says. And that's the end of the counselling session. And then she goes, no, but I have another fear, and it's, um, you know, I'll be buried alive in a box. Okay, just stop it. And every fear she brings, that's the answer. And he's like, you can go now. How many of you have tried to stop something you battle with? A fear, a false refuge, an addiction, a a habit. It is not the way. That's called dealing with fruit. We don't deal with fruit. How many of you are learning, learning, are you learning? How many of you are learning that in the Elijah House schools? Here's a tree. There's some apples. There's the trunks and the branches, and we're coming down, and we've got some, <laughs> we've got some root systems. We've got the ground. Okay. Fruit is jealousy. So if we just were to say, I hear the word of Lord. There are jealous people here. Stop it. Then it's like saying, good, tick, let's move forward. 
bit more rain, bit more sunshine, new apple grows, do -do 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 -do. fruit keeps growing because there's nutrients coming, yeah? It's like saying I have a problem with this addiction. Stop it. We don't do that. Eventually the guy says, just stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> he uses her fear against her. We don't do that either. But um, <laughs> fruit, where there is fruit, there is a? Where there's fruit, there's a root. So I'm wondering if you'd give me permission to talk to you about jealousy from a perspective of if it's something you're battling with, I'm wondering if it's back here for some of us. And so then there's hope because we don't have to just be woodchoppers, woodchoppers, and then it grows back and it grows back, and that's exhausting and dumb and not a great strategy. But instead we can go, okay, how can I pull this root out? And if corporately we could pull this root out, no more nutrients will come. And then it just doesn't grow. It just doesn't grow. So that's where I'm heading today. I want to talk about some of the roots. So one of the ways, there's two different ways I'm going to show you where it comes from if you battle with jealousy. Jealousy. Okay. There's two different ways. One way is through experiences we have had from conception till now and ways that we began to compare ourselves down here in the root system. So first reason is because we have compared ourselves somewhere or someone who's in primary authority over us and our primary relationship person compared us to someone else we were set up to be tempted to that game so the first way is we have jealousy as a fruit because back here in the root systems of our beliefs on the inside there's a comparison problem can I give you an example I was jealous for about 17 years We're just all sinners together. <laughs> Rachel um, said that I can share the story with you, but I, I, I grew up jealous of my younger sister. The root place that most of our jealousy comes from is a sibling rivalry. Kay, it's usually there. If it's not there, it's a best friend thing. Maybe your best friend was always more attractive, more this, more this, more this. But somehow, because it's in these, it's in these years, um, sort of zero to two, but especially up to age six, that we begin developmentally. And so if before the age of six you were already going, I'm not what they are, that's probably a root of jealousy will be in there and a root of self-rejection in there. So you all know that Rachel is also very, very, very beautiful. And I saw that beauty from birth. Actually, when she came out the womb, what was my response? I screamed and yelled. It's like right back from there, I believed a lie of something. This is a threat. This is a threat. And the enemy was after our relationship. And so all the way through primary school years in particular, I judged myself massively when it came to my physical appearance. I've really done damage to myself. I still battle in confidence when it comes to my looks. Some people it's your personality. Some people it's your gift set or your, or your um, um, mental gift, you know, your um, intelligence. Kind of ironic that I struggle to say the word intelligence. But um, <laughs> that thing <laughs> that I don't have, <laughs> no, just jokes. But um, I really battled and I judged myself heavily. So um, I was always a bigger, bigger girl, bigger, physically bigger, big structured, uh, bigger than my classmates, bigger girl. And I equated bigger with uglier, which it ought not to be so. I bigger is the assessment, it's just fact. 
uglier eye patch. <laughs> and, and so I, I compared that and judged myself all the time. But then with jealousy is then we go, so, so then we hate what they are because they expose what we think about ourselves. But it's actually an internal problem. So I really, you know, they'd be playing in the swimming pool and friends over and people up on people's shoulders, Rachel, so I'd be inside. Because I'm like, oh, I'm too heavy to be lifted and I'm too ugly and I'm too... So I, that was a lot of my childhood. I had this fantasy that there's a zip in here somewhere and I'm going to pull it forward and open and out's going to step a beautiful Amy. So I lived in that fantasy realm a lot in my childhood. Really had a lot of self-hatred for my, my appearance. Tallest in the class, biggest. When I started high school, I was already this height <laughs> and developed. I had the same school uniform all of high school. So I developed early and, and rejected myself. And then as uh, the high school years came, I had less judgment against myself physically, but there was still a huge discord between the two of us. See how the enemy would want to rob what is like, how, look at our ministering together now. If that hadn't been cleaned, this church wouldn't not be as it is. So the enemy goes after, we get jealous. So um, high school years better, but I really judged because she was joyful and she was this and she was that. And I, it kept, I'm less than, I'm less than. And then... Um, I went to a um, Bible college in South Africa and I just had a lot of pain in my heart and this woman said, oh, can I do some prayer ministry with you? And I said, yes. And I came and I was speaking about a whole bunch of things and she interrupted me, knowing that all I was coming out of my heart was nothing to do with what we needed to deal with. And the Lord said to her, ask her when she first compared herself. Ask her, when did you first start comparing yourself? And I just sat there and listened to Jesus and I saw, and I got a memory of when I was in my third year of primary school, um, Rachel came into my classroom. And so it was a thing of, oh, you're doing so well. Go and show the teacher in the year ahead. And she was only one year behind me. So she went to show her great work to the year ahead, which meant my classroom. And she walked in, and my teacher compared her to me in front of the class. Compared her writing, compared her efforts, and I'd no, I did battle with that teacher. I'd never felt she, <laughs> she liked me, but she compared how great Rachel was and how much she used as a comparison in front of everybody, and then Rachel left. I didn't remember that, but things get written on our heart when it comes to comparison, and so, it, and so she said, okay, where, where is Jesus in this situation? Just he was there. Look for him. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, I see Jesus. He's and she said, where is he? He's sitting at the teacher's desk. Oh, and what's the look on his face? And I just came close, and it was ugly. And I went, I think I see him sitting at the teacher's desk, and he's ugly, and he's looking at with vehemence. And she went, okay, it's not the Jesus I know. Did you believe a lie? I was like, I believe Jesus thought that about me too, in that comparison. And so I was out of relationship even with him that he would call me great. Let's look for Jesus. I closed my eyes, and he was right next to me. And we were drawing a picture of a tree. It was this, and there was fruit on it. <laughs> That's what we were drawing. And, um, and he wouldn't, not that it had anything to do with Jesus' heart for Rachel, but he didn't look up when she walked in. He looked at my drawing, and he's like, let's keep drawing. I love what you're doing. And he was just so focused on me. And I healed in that moment. And he, I just left, I let the Jesus sees me, I'm good enough things come in that have been robbed all of my upbringing. And um, I've never, ever, ever battled with any form of comparison or jealousy since that day. So that's 15 years. Never. And so we run in completely different races, completely, but there's never a power struggle between us because it was in the roots. 
So is there comparison somewhere or did someone compare you? Did parents compare you or set you up against each other? Well, look at their scores. Where's your A? She keeps winning the footy. Where's your winning of the footy? She came first. Where's yours? Was it used as pressure to make you succeed? If that was used as pressure to make you succeed, like here's some um, motivation, be like them, then we've been tempted to fall into self-comparison and the fruit of self-comparison is jealousy once the other person goes forward ahead of us. Does that make sense? You see? So, so there's ways to walk this out. If, there's been, if we've been compared, we need to um, forgive those who tempted us to believe that. My parents never set us up against each other. It was a teacher. So forgive those who set you up to believe that you have to be compared to anybody. Or maybe they didn't compare you, but they were just, you aren't awesome. You aren't amazing. Was there a lot of emotional, verbal put-downs? If there is, then as soon as someone next to you is something, then something in you goes, you're something, I'm not. Jealousy. But the belief that I'm not something is actually the problem. The jealousy is the fruit. The root is, what do you believe about you? And if your complete truth isn't, I'm born at the right time, in the right place, to the right people, whether they planned me or not, and I have a call and a purpose on my life, and I'm the head and not the tail, if that isn't how we're walking, then we've come into agreement with a lie. And jealousy might come when people start running into their destiny. And the people who start running into their destiny are doing it because they know who they are. Does that make sense? We need to know who we are. So we need to forgive. We also need to repent, possibly for judging them, but we need to repent for believing a lie. It's got us bound. It's got us bound. Repent for believing the lie and for coming into agreement with the father of lies. And then we renounce that lie. I come out of agreement with the lie that I am less than, that I am ugly, that I am not some dot, dot, dot enough, that I am too dot, 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 too big. Followed me my whole life. I remember in year 12, my little friend, <laughs> I remember her mum said, gosh, Amy's a big girl. I've had it my whole life, but now I'm getting better at embracing the way the Lord designed me, but I was tempted so many times to reject myself. But they only tempt us if when we come into agreement with the lie, that's, the, that's where the root takes place. Is this making sense? So we renounce those lies and we come out of agreement with the father of lie and we start to listen. Who do you say that I am? Is that all right? If these roots do not come out, they will take us out. The three-legged race that's supposed to be will become foxes in a row of, of flames in between. And what we have now, the bloom, will be devoured. We've got to know who we are. We've got to love who we are. We've got to accept and embrace who we are, and we need to start moving forward. Is that okay? Okay. Another area of how we can get stuck when it comes to jealousy is it can be a generational problem. Which is also, I guess, a family tree. What do I mean by generational? I'm going to talk about four areas. In the scripture, Deuteronomy 5 verse 9, Deuteronomy 5 verse 9, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God in all the right ways, 
I, the Lord your God, am a jealous for us. He just wants us completely. Visiting the iniquity, so the sin, of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generation. Visits. What does that mean? Visits the sin. Knock, knock. Why is he visiting? What does visits mean? He visits the sin. Well, there are some laws in place. But there's the cross. There's no more no, no more law. Yes, we still have gravity the side of the cross. <laughs> there are actually biblical laws. There's four of them that are from Genesis to Revelation. And they still stand now. They're in play now, just like gravity is. Just like if I let go of this, this happens. There's other laws where if this happens, this happens. The first one has to do with the Ten Commandments. It's the only one with the promise. It says, honor your mother and father and it will go well with you. What is the opposite? Dishonor your mother and father and it will not go well with you. And if any of us have an area in our life where things are not going well and there's dishonor in our root system, that is why. And it's still in place. Jesus even coming on the cross doesn't change that. If there's dishonor in our hearts towards our folks, I'm not saying we pretend sins done to us didn't happen or that they haven't hurt us. But if there's dishonor in us, if there's bitterness in here, things will not go well for us. That's one in place. What's another one? The law of sowing and reaping. What you put in the ground, you get. You've seen it in nature? Yeah? Banana. Banana. <laughs> Sorry, idle. <laughs> uh, avocado pip. <laughs> Avo. Orange seed. Orange. Okay? So, then you said cheese pip. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> Cow cheese. Wow. More Lord. <laughs> and so, um, so there's a law of what goes in is what you get. So that one's in play in the law of sowing and reaping. So um, thank you. I want to wear that one. So I'm going to put that here. I know. So the law of sowing, is it S-O-W? And is it R-E-A? So the law of sowing and reaping is one reason. Another law, it the law of increase. So things that are blessings in the generational line become bigger and bigger and bigger blessings generationally. Things that are curses, things that are sin in play, generational patterns of molestation, generational patterns of divorce, generational patterns of bad things get worse. Sickness, it gets worse. So there's the law of increase. And the fourth one, the law of judging. The scripture says very clearly, judge and you will be judged for the same thing, which means we become what we judge. We actually, if we've grown up judging our parents because we hated criticism that they used, um, uh, they were never there because of work. We become people who actually are never around because of work or criticizing people or we marry them or attract them in our jobs. The very thing you judge, you will, be, you will by inheritance of that judgment start to become like that or you will attract it from left, right and center. It is all over scripture. Judging each other is a major no-no. It's a fox. It's a fox in the vineyard. Judgment, offense, a spirit of offense can also be generational. So today I'm talking about is jealousy in your generational line? Just think. Jesus, have I noticed jealousy? Did, my, did, my, did mom always talk insecurely of other women and their figures? Did she talk insecurely of other women around dad? When people thrived in their work, did dad always go, well, we're just da 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 
has jealousy come down the generational line, just like a spirit of offense can and judgment? If it has, then there's reaping from the judgment because we saw it in our parents, we judged them, and we have become that. So that's the law of judging generationally. So when it comes to dealing with generational sins that come down, there's four areas. Just a quick little Elijah House teaching. Some of us did it yesterday at Unit 3 here. So when it comes to dealing with judgment, we can do four things. Number one, one way generational things are passed down are through our DNA, through our actual blood. We have the DNA of the generations. So actually, we can have inherited sickness. You know that, yeah? We can inherit sicknesses or deformities or propensities towards something because it's in the blood, it's in the DNA. So that's one area. Another area, so it can be in the DNA. That's area number one. Another area that we inherit things is through modeling. <laughs> I'm not saying mommy was doing the catwalk every day as she walked through the house in her pajamas. Hi, everybody, I'm Joan. <laughs> what I mean is you she actually behaved jealously and you learned to become an adult. We learn by mimicking, just like pretty much all mammals. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kev. You just got my back. <laughs> we learn by mimicking. We learn by parents going, ah, So we take our baby Chino. We learn by mimicking, by modeling, by seeing, oh, women treat men like this. Men treat women like this. People talk like this. They clean like this. How many of you do things the way that you were brought up and then you get married or something? It's like, that's not how we do things. Oh, it's not universal? No, it's modeling. We learn from those that we follow. We learn to become an adult by watching adults. So if some of us have watched jealousy, then we are habitually just being jealous because that's what mums and dads and humans and adults do. Does that make sense? So if we've modeled, we need to, let's cut it now and let's not pass that generational habitual modeling on. But number, wow. But number four is when not only were they modeling it, but we had bitterness, we hated it. So for example, mother is a criticizer. She's modeling, modeling being a criticizer and we're watching it. Number four is we watch it and we hate it. We watch it and we hate it and we're bitter towards her because she's criticizer and then we become a criticizer. So that's how the generational thing happens. It's not just because she modeled it, it's because we're judging and becoming what we've judged. Does that make sense? That's a whole teaching in itself. Um, it's got scriptural back. These are all biblical teachings I'm teaching you, but come to the Elijah House schools to learn them or I'll do a session on it in itself. But this is quick. Judge and you'll become it. And then the third one, it's the law of sowing and reaping. So because someone opened a door somewhere in the generational line to this jealousy thing or a spirit of jealousy, it's actually there's planted in the ground and so it's producing fruit and we're becoming jealous generationally. It works so with a spirit of offense, with a spirit of judgment. Do you hear your, have you, did you grow up hearing your parents talk, speak about other people? If you did, it's possibly in you and you think it's a normal thing to do and it'll tear out the bloom. It's a fox. So we need to go, Lord, that's not how you model how to do things, is it? And, and actually, I repent for judging them for being that. And then we come out of that habitual thing and we walk free. So this is what it means to be stuck in jealousy because it's been a mo modeled for us or it's 
a, a spirit of jealousy in the generational line that was open door to. This is what is when it's not generational, but we went to an experience once we landed on earth. So it's not in the families above me. Once I landed here, I went to an experience that taught me to start comparing. And, to f and then I came into agreement with a lie that I'm less than. And now that people are starting to step into who the Lord's called me to be, I want to stop that. Is this making sense? So if we've got both, what if it's generational and then we've got it reinforced by people comparing us? This is sets us up for really battling when others are thriving. Yeah? I adore this country. It is completely my home, even though I didn't grow up here and I haven't got my citizenship yet. It's not my home. But um, because... Don't run for parliament. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get found out. Um, I love New Zealand too, my birth country. You'll forgive me for that. And then I went to Africa and brought up there. But on coming to Australia as an adult and to New Zealand as an adult, I saw things in the country because I was an outsider. Things were not modelled for me here. I came in already mature, and I've seen things in the culture here that ought not to be so. I love this culture. It is my home. But I want to talk about one area, and it's called tall poppy syndrome. And it's in the church because we've been modeled generation after generation to chop down when someone's thriving. And you get taught by the adults in your home that we do that. And you get taught on the schoolyard. I was horrified. I'm like, I came from a country that celebrated success. Every part of me is riddled with words on my heart going, go for gold, Amy, go for gold, Amy, go for gold, Amy. But there's other people I come across and it, that's been... Um, been um, choked it's there's a robbery on go for gold because as soon as I step out you learnt over and over your Achilles got chopped you don't do better than your classmates oh that's right yeah I, I'm dumb too and I'm going to play footy too oh yeah 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 I, I don't do moral things with the Christian church either I, I do this anytime you step out to be the fullness of you it's a come to where everyone is on average it's an idol of average the idol of average is full of people who believe that there's fear. So there's a root of fear in the idol of average. Why? Because I will be rejected if I move forward. So we come into agreement of, so I will just be dot, dot, dot. And then the Lord says, I call you this, I call you this, run. And we're like, but I'm just dot, dot, dot. I got taught that. I got taught to keep my head down and not excel. The school taught me that. Five or six years of being taught that. Yeah, you'll be, you know, a lot of people who just happen to find what presently the world calls beautiful can get slaughtered at, at school because you pay for being beautiful by the people who have insecurity because they're jealous. So we will make you pay for that. And eventually when you've humbled yourself, you can join our group, which makes our pack even more strong, or you'll just always be out there because don't you dare go near our guys. The, the life is squeezed out of you if you're excellent at anything. Sport-wise, okay, we'll, we'll, do, we'll keep that one. Everyone be excellent at sport. Not academics. Not this, not this, oh, you're a nerd. Oh, you're a sports star. Oh, you love hockey. Oh, you're a nerd. It's just this 
this is okay, this isn't okay. And this tall poppy syndrome has made, a lot of us have come into agreement with fear of not excelling at who we are. Not only is it because we've got that fear, we've got this fear of, and then I'll be rejected by you people if I do so. So then we don't step out. And why? Because you're right. Because what's happening? There's jealousy in our church. It's true. What you sensed, and so you're not stepping out, is correct. Because as soon as you do, <laughs> jealousy is popping up in our church. And the person stepping out is not in fault. The belief system of the person jealous is at fault. The lie that, I don't like you excelling because I am only dot, dot, dot. And the more you excel, it exposes that I'm dumb, bad, a nothing. I'm not seen. If you have a fear, I'm not going to be seen. I'm not going to be noticed. I'm not going to be launched. Where the hang does that come from? It ain't from us. Repeat this after me. My gift makes room for me. That's scriptural. We do not come and block people from moving in their gifting and their calling. That is not who we are. You don't have to force your gifts. It actually makes room for you. But it is not the most amazing thing about you. Sorry. The most amazing thing about you is you, your personality, your nature, and us being in close intimacy and relationship. Who you are because we love your personality is actually what's important about you. But if you've come in here going, when am I going to be seen for my gift? You're not. You're not. Because then you're not seen. That's fake seeing. That's using people. It's because we're a healthy church, we don't see you for your gift. We see you for who you are. And we want your, your identity and your courage and your self-love to be healed. And then we'll make room for your gift. But by if we believe that w our gift defines us, there's that's like our heart is constantly being taught because who I am isn't good. But at least if I do things, oh my gosh, what an unhealthy church. You will never be seen for your gift. You'll be released into your gift. We see you for you. But if you don't like you and you don't accept you, then that's what the problem is. That's the root here. The jealousy is because you have fear of also not being released, seen, have a voice. Where does that fear start? We're not controlling here. We just need you to be in relationship with you and to be in relationship with us. And all the rest will come as good fruit. The jealousy fruit won't grow. The Ah, oh, it's great to run this three-legged race with everyone else. Does that make sense? Mm. So we've had this month of fasting, and this is starting to come up. I'm wondering, I'm wondering. So there's, a, there's another testimony of what's come up in this last month where this, this could have crept in and done some damage. Rachel, are you open to coming and share um, just even this, the temptation for this to seep into your phone? Um, I thought this, I mentioned to Amy Ali had brought it this up on the prayer times as well, so this is uh, just um, my testimony, I just wanted to share it because I was the person who said, let's do a month of fasting, and, <laughs> and <laughs> it's about purity, <laughs> so I wanted to encourage you because I think sometimes you see, um, you see where favor is released or where you can see breakthrough happening already this month, hey, there's people who are going through upgrade and it's just like, whoa, um, which is such, I find it such an encouragement. But if you're experiencing this month entering in, going, let's do this, I'm hungry, I'm fasting, 
I'm expecting breakthrough and were as naive as me and going, yeah, purity, um, then feeling like this much has really hurt, that's okay too. Um, but there's a temptation when you're in a hard month to look at people who are going through a breakthrough and go, well, that's not fair, or um, jealousy comes in, or insecurity comes in. Um, so if you can, I'll just give it a bit clearer for you, so you can just so you can situate yourself, I suppose, and just feel known if it's a bit like you. So m my my beautiful boy turned five months on on Friday. So obviously he was just four months when we started our fast. And with not having much sleep up until then, at four months he had an am amazing mental leap and it became about struggling with teething a little and not eating so much during the day and only eating at night time. So I breastfeed, I don't do anything else, Not I just can't, I, where do you find the time to do anything else when you're only breastfeeding? <laughs> um, but on the hour he would wake up and want to feed. And so I'm okay with co-sleeping, preach to me about that later, and I'm okay with him sleeping next to me or us sleeping, but it's hourly being woken, getting that ready, letting him soothe, all right, putting him back because he's now taken my space on the bed, and literally it's about 15 to 20 minutes. So sleep deprivation is a really good way to find your heart. It is. And I don't feel shame in this. And so let's just tap on that one if you're feeling like it's been a hard month and you're starting to see yourself. So the best way I can describe it is I'm in conversation with people. Half of me is not here but because I'm so tired. But I'm talking to people and I'll just say a phrase or I'm talking about a situation I experienced and all I hear, like without even thinking, is this bitterness comes out my mouth or um, religious thinking. or And I'm like, oh. Like when I'm fully me, think that through a little before I open my mouth or I catch it early and go oh Jesus what's that or I do hear it and then I go sorry and then I sit with the Lord and we do a little bit of you know forgiveness repentance here I am and it's like and I'm like yep that's me <laughs> and I'm like sorry I'm just, it's just ugly this month I'm just ugly this month not I'm ugly but like it's just ugly stuff coming up this month but if we're doing fasting and it's obedient walk, then it's completely in his timing. This is divine. This is as divine as someone being promoted. It's that holy. It's that much breakthrough. It's so much leading into intimacy as theirs. And the temptation is to not think that. It's to think that you've been forgotten, left behind, um, that you're not doing the fast right, um, that something's dysfunctional in you and Jesus and, you know, like, there's, there's so many things. So if you can imagine stormy sea, I'm clinging to the, is it the mast, the big pole? Yeah, clinging to the mast, it's all spray. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. And then in conversation, doing life, and it goes, wah, 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 and I say lovely things. Instead of panicking about it and just wanting to fix it all, I don't have the capacity to do that right now. I am so tired. So that's where you just go, oh, Jesus. And you just stay there because this month is, he's so in this with me. It's he's so in this with me. He's so in this with me, yeah? So you're just like, oh, Jesus, because he's going to lead me into healing. He's going to lead me into, ah, oh, this month is for wholeness. Okay. So it's okay that we're pruning because all those things have to come off for me to see my heart better. And I can't get there. Only he can lead me there. So lack of sleep has gotten me there. Yay! So clinging. So in this time, I mean, look at the momentum that Amy's running in, right? Amazing. So like momentum, flying lights, stormy sea clinging. Jesus. 
And it's so important that as soon as your eyes go, have, have I fallen off the path? And actually everything I've led is stumped because I'm a broken person and I could have been doing better and I've ruined it and actually this is all really bad. Do you see how quickly you can go there? Like, it should look like that because we've all got to run ahead at the same time. Now we're dragging behind and the worship team's just sucking and where are all the prophets and I've failed. Can you see it? It's that quick. It's that quick. Or, Lord Jesus. Jesus. As soon as you sit there with him, he's like, as close as he ever was, you're like, it's okay. And it's like, what do we do? Because I don't have energy to do anything. I don't. I don't have energy to sit down and master my life like I normally do. I don't have, you know how we grow in maturity and we can just manage our hearts well? Or, you know, write a song and it just draws your heart out and you feel understood with the Lord. I have nothing. I've tried. I've played the guitar like once or twice. I get nowhere. I'm so tired. Cling. And he's like, all right, let's do some prayer ministry. So then my practical brain goes, where the heck do you fit that in with a baby? And he's like, no, 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 we'll do it like, like Brad has or Amy has. Let's do something like Skype, you know? Okay. So I go chat to Amy. I'm like, I want, like I want prayer ministry, but I want it to work with my life where it is because he can do that because this is crazy and I'm not expected to be superwoman, right? Mums, you're not expected to be superwoman. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I email them. They're like, sure, I'll do from 7 to 10 on a Thursday morning, which is when Luke's home, and we'll just do an intensive. So I'm doing three Thursdays in a row next month. Everyone say amen. <laughs> yes. So help is on its way. But I'm like, oh, all right. So no, wait, wait, this gets even better. So I'm like clinging, clinging, clinging. Lord Jesus. Then Luke's like a week into the fast, man, I'm really worried about some stuff. Um, so, I, so I, being the loving wife that I am, said, well, some things only come through, have breakthrough through prayer and fasting. And he had planned a fast, but it was going to be like the last week of the month, what he wanted to do. And he was just like, oh, yeah. So he walks out, comes back in, and he wells up, and he goes, I actually have to start it now. And it's, it's a significant thing that Luke's doing. It's actually quite a sacrifice. I, I just honor him. And so he's just that day, that was it, and it shifted. Every morning since, when he would normally do what he would be doing, he spent time with the Lord, and it's been like full-on visions, huge encounters, serious intimacy growth. It's been unreal. It's stuff we've been praying for for him. It's just amazing. Here's wifey. <laughs> Haven't slept all night. Oh, Jesus, nothing. No breakthroughs, no extravagant encounters of intimacy, Probably, probably can't even hear him properly most of the time. Just trusting that I am who I am in him, which means I hear him all the time. Cling. It is so easy for me not to celebrate what he's going through, not to feel like I must be off kilter. Do you know one of the lines that went through my head? All my sacrifice is producing his breakthrough, not mine. That's not fair. That's rude, eh? That's wrong. So you catch those. In the moment they come, that temptation hits you like, that's not who God is and that's not who he is to me not who he is to me and my response instantly is this is awesome tell me more like get those people celebrated get those people celebrated cling and then to say oh jesus help me but talk to people like for help or for how do we do this prayer ministry or it's okay to be supported hard seasons are hard seasons but you know what this is what i've found throughout my life when i go through something quite traumatic for a period is what it does is it pushes you into a corner Everything that you can also lean on and abide in and enjoy and gain fruit from, good things, like in fasting, gone. So you're cornered. Do you know what happens when you're cornered? You're bold. It's all you've got left. It's all you've got left when you're there. You, you know you're, you're kind of like, this is it. So when it comes to praying into something or if I stepped out of clinging to Jesus and knowing who I am and, and, and just and not comparing, not giving into the temptation, if I stepped out of that, I would lose my bold. 
I would lose the only thing I've got left. And that little thing that I've got when I'm here means that when something comes up that's not right, I'm fierce about it because it's all I've got left. And he really builds a confidence in you when you're clinging to a mask. He builds a rich confidence in you. It's not just like struggle for a while till you're totally naked, then we'll do some prayer ministry. It's like cling here because I'm also building your brave. I'm building your brave, yeah? If you step away from that position into complaining about everything out there, you'll lose your brave. You'll want everyone else to stop being brave so that you can feel confident. See the difference, yeah? So just to encourage you, if you're in this and you're feeling that temptation because people are flourishing and you still feel like you've got you know, a stilt leg or a bent foot or things aren't functioning smoothly or you just get whacked by stuff and you can't figure it out, the Lord is in it. He's in it. He never leaves you in this any season. He's in your season. He's in your season. You've got to cling. You've got to cling in your season. You've got to, it's not about being holy. It's not about knowing all the scriptures that keep you going. It's not about being perfect at clinging. But you've got to cling to who he is. You've got to trust that he's in it with you and get those wise people around you to give you the advice that you need that suits and blesses your season into wholeness. Yeah? looks different for all of us. When was the first experience of jealousy in the Bible? Cain and Abel, first set of siblings. What are we here in the church family? It's a familial language in the Bible. We're mothers and fathers. We're brothers and sisters. Satan is after division of the siblings. And why did Cain kill Abel? he was jealous because he thought God has greater grace and preference for that one because of his offering was better and God blessed it. So we, we have insecurity about God's blessing on, e- on other people in the body. Yeah, and it's still happening today. I heard a quote this last week from D.K. Chesterton. Do you know how it's like some people say this catchphrase, oh, God lets trouble happen to teach you something. Have you heard that? He, Chesterton says, Sometimes God lets things happen so we can unlearn some things. Because for some of us, we learned some things that are wrong. So if you're in the fire now, use it as a time to unlearn the lies about who you are. Get that comparison out. Get that jealousy out. If you're in the fire, go, Lord, what do I need to unlearn in the fire? That might help you. Not what are you trying to make me better and stronger. And what are you trying to get me to unlearn? Where have I smelt this before? Where's the echo of this jealousy coming from? What do I need to unlearn so I can then learn that you're a good father and, and you love me? Is this making sense? Um, I'm wondering if you'd be open to me praying through some stuff corporately together just because I don't want 300 foxes <laughs> in here. Yeah? And I'm wondering if we could um, do that together. Um, I've got awesome people around me all having things to add. This is a book by R.T. Kendall. If any of you have this in your family line or you sort of need it coupled with Elijah House stuff because it doesn't go into the how to some of that stuff, but it is The Sin No One Talks About, Jealousy, How to Overcome Envy and Live a Life of Freedom. R.T. Kendall is a great tool. Come and look at it later if you want to take a, a photo of the, of the front cover. I'm just wondering if Ali could come and just share some scriptures that you felt during this week because you felt the Lord was saying there's jealousy in the flock. Come and share these scriptures and then we might just close in prayer.
Um, yeah, well, well, definitely one of them is, you know, catch us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. So, um, uh, you know, a while back, Lynn and I had had been talking about jealousy. You know that um, so part partly of of um, pressing coming through the threshold and into new seasons is like what Amy talked about and that backlash. You know, and one of the one of the um, strategies of the enemy is to um, tap into our own insecurities and um, and bring jealousy, uh, so that he can bring division strife dis- dissension and you know we all fall rather than running together in that three-legged race and hopefully not fall <laughs> okay so um i'm not gonna uh, so so then of course you know what do you do when god's speaking to you about something okay you go to his word and you look up all these scriptures on jealousy <laughs> so i'm not going to read them all because there's quite a few um but what I might do is uh, I just want to go to Galatians, I think, Galatians 5. That's uh, here. <coughs> Galatians 5, 1 starts off saying, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, s- the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And often, you know, we're we're not doing the things that we want to do because of some of this stuff. It's like it's almost out of our control. You know, we just default to that. Um, And so 5.16 then goes, I'm not going to read it all, but 5.16 goes on to say, oh, okay, so... (coughs) Uh, 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, there's a a list of them, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Hi, Glee. I thought we'd cry up and down among you. Mm. (coughs) Um, uh, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, envy. And, and so it goes on. So, you know, in, in all of that, there's, there's, there's selfish ambitions, there's envy, there's dissensions. And I'm thinking, this is not good. You know, it's not good for me to be in that place and it's not good for us. And, and um, our heart, I know our hearts here are to keep us safe. You know, and to keep us safe, we have to be safe. And it means like going through these times that Rachel was talking about and allowing God to bring this stuff up into our hearts. Um, okay, so then it goes on, um, the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's what's beautiful. So, 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there's no law. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, um, we come in the opposite spirit. We deal, we deal with this stuff, um, 
repent and and what Amy's going to take us through. And then we come in the opposite spirit, and that is love. You know, get hold of that 1 Corinthians 13 and speak it into your heart every day and speak it over us every day. Yeah. Thank you, Ellie. I really honour you as someone who's been fighting, fighting for us as a family and praying for us. So, how to, how to lose jealousy in 10 days. <laughs> Just joking. Well, some of you might help to have a word picture. Pastor Brad, can you share a word picture? I'm loving the tag team this morning. Yeah, um, as we were talking about it during the week, but uh, it reminded me this week was... Uh, my son Micah, he's six years old, he's in pre-primary, his first ever school carnival. And so they get, you know, running races and all that sort of stuff. And from uh, what I know from Noah's first time in a running race, generally when kids at that age, not that we're trying to make them competitive or anything like that, but uh, it's okay for, someone's got to win. So why can't it be my son? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I said to him, so I, what I know is when little kids run, their focus is always on who's next to me and they're like, whoa. And they, you know, generally don't even stick to lanes and all that sort of stuff. Or they keep, we had one race last year where they just kept running <laughs> past the finish line and people had to run and chase them to tell them to stop. So I thought, you know, I'm going to give Micah just some tips. And so I just said to him, I said, Micah, when you're in, in the running race, daddy's going to be standing at the end of the finish line in your lane. And all I want you to do is to focus on daddy and run as fast as you can towards daddy. Don't look at the, your friends that are around you, the people that are around you and where they are. Just keep your eyes focused on daddy. And as Amy shared, I, saw that, and I felt like that's such a picture of, of the father that when it's when we're in that race and we start looking at where, oh, that person's slightly ahead of me and, oh, that person's behind me. Yeah, I'm in front of them. And, and we get lost and our attention and our focus gets drawn to what's happening around. And yet we're all in the same race. We're all running towards the Father. But when we keep our eyes focused on Him, it's like, I'm just going to run straight towards the Father and not look at what's going on around me. And I don't mean that in a way, just ignore everybody. But you know what? When it comes to, I've got a race to run and it's nobody else's race to run. There's no one else in my lane because the Lord has apportioned a lane for me. So I'm just going to keep my eyes focused on the Father and run towards Him. So, yes. So let's run our race with perseverance. Our race is different to the person next to us. Well, let's pray through these. It's going to take a bit, and we're just going to go through each one. There's three. Let's deal with our one. And then I'll walk us through dealing with closing the door here. And let's go after the corporate one of the tall puppies. Because we can do that if we repent on behalf of people who've done that. So we, we can, especially if we're from this place, we live in Australia. What we do to deal with corporate things is we, as a smaller corporate group, turn, repent, and then deal with that one. So how are you for that? Are you a bit tired? You going okay? How about we stand together? If you feel like none of this applies to you, could I ask you to help me? Could you just start interceding for others in the room? That would I'd love to borrow your strength. So, okay. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, God. Help us, God. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I just love that you love the flower that's in bloom here. Thank you that you have these foxes run over roads and you have people getting the same scripture because you're protecting your beautiful bride. There's no condemnation. It's just, oh, my children, my children, don't look in that lane. Run to daddy. Run to daddy. We're not in trouble. He's just going, nah, it's not working. 
look at me, look at me, look at me. So Jesus, we choose to stand here and to look at you. We look down the, the road that we're on, the path, the, the relay race sort of thing. We look down that path and we look towards the finish line. And we start by repenting in any way that we have not looked at you and we've looked to the left or to the right. If that rings true for you, just bring that before Jesus. Father, I'm so sorry that I took my eyes off the race that is only designed for me and I've looked to the left and to the right and I've compared my success or my failures against those either side of me, whether they're ahead of me. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry, Jesus. And Father, where we've judged those that have gone ahead of us, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And Lord, where we've judged those that have given permission for those people to run ahead of us, we're so sorry for judging them to be people who don't see us. Jesus, where we've judged you as not seeing us and releasing us, into our callings faster or in, in it pulling us to be more. If we've judged that you don't see us, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Yeah. So we're just going to deal with an area. So Jesus, we're asking you now. It's a, it's a bit trickier doing it corporately, but you're here. You, you brought this up. So we're bringing before you we are, we're bringing before you times in our life where we were tempted to believe that we weren't enough. Jesus, when did we first believe that who we are is not enough? So just look, watch, listen, or sense, and he will just speak to you. Watch and listen. When did we first get tempted to believe that we are not amazing? Or... When were we first tempted to compare ourselves with someone else or against someone else? Just listen, watch, sense. Thank you, Jesus. So just begin forgiving whoever tempted you to believe that. Whether it was a teacher, parents, a sibling, a coach, just forgive. Lord, by faith we choose to release forgiveness to those people who tempted us to believe that we're not who you say we are. We release forgiveness to them right now. I release forgiveness to my teacher. I release forgiveness to parents. Was it grandparents? We release forgiveness. Father, we just repent. So just join me as I do each one. Father, we repent for judging them. Yeah. And we repent for judging you to have not made us good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You made me not something enough. We repent of judging you as doing a bad job. Of not having enough left in the bag when you handed it to, who's this person going to be? Oops. Some gifts left out. Some looks left out. <laughs> we repent of judging you as not making us enough. And Jesus, we repent of judging ourselves. We repent of judging ourselves. I'm so sorry, Jesus, for judging me as not enough. So Jesus, can you help us to see what is the lie we came to believe about ourselves? 
that we're not, is it worthy, seen, strong, great, worthy of speaking, clever? Just watch and listen. What's the lie we've come to believe about our identity? heard or seen anything we're going to deal with that one if you didn't hear anything just do this by faith so we're going to come out of agreement with those lies father we repent for believing those lies about us that we were tempted to believe just pray it with me as you feel comfortable and we come out of agreement with the lie that we are and just say it i come out of agreement with the lie that i'm yeah and i come out of agreement with the father of lies about that By faith, I come out of agreement with the father of lies about that. And I come out of agreement with those people who tempted me to believe it. I don't believe that anymore. I'm not believing them. I come out of agreement with them over that thing. That's it. And Father, we bring all those lies to death on the cross in the name of Jesus. We bring that judgment. We bring that unforgiveness. We bring self-rejection. Just repent of self-rejection. Yeah, we just repent of self-rejection. We come out of agreement with self-rejection and we bring it to death on the cross right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah. Who do you say we are? Who do you say you are? we are? That might be a journey he's going to start taking you on the next week or so. Or he might want to say something now. Just watch and listen. Who do you say we are? Maybe a scripture will come to mind or you'll see or hear something. Who do you say we are? Receive those truths. Or I just invite you in this next week or two in your times with the Lord or in your time in the Word, ask Him, who do you say I am? Start to build up a stock of truth to replace those lies. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray a blessing over everyone here, Father. They are the head and not the tail. I bless them. I bless their identities. I bless their character. I bless their looks. I bless their thoughts. They think beautiful thoughts. I bless their personalities. Thank you for who we have here amazing amazing inheritance here thank you jesus we're going to move on to generational if you've seen a pattern of talking about other people or being insecure about other people or jealousy in your family line this time you're standing in the gap on behalf of your family line so that the lord doesn't have to visit the iniquities all the way down to find someone to repent on behalf of the family because you're going pick me pick me So if that's you, just see yourself standing in the gap for your generation behind you. And we do two things when we deal with generation. We forgive the generational line, and then we repent for this behavior, and then we shut the door. So Father, on behalf, just do it with me if this is you, on behalf of my generational lines, on my mother's or father's side, you tell him, I repent for the way that we've come into agreement with jealousy, and a spirit of jealousy. I repent for ways we've come into agreement with offense and a spirit of offense. I repent for ways we've come into agreement with judgment and a a critical spirit. 
thank you, Jesus. I ask that you would forgive us all the way back, all to the third and the fourth generation and beyond. Thank you. I just say the Lord forgives you. The Lord forgives you. He, the Lord forgives you. Where your sins were once as scarlet, they're now white as snow. Now see yourself turning around and looking down that generational line. We need to forgive them for opening this door and never having dealt with it. So Jesus, I choose to forgive my generational line from the third to the fourth generation and beyond for these doors that they've opened and the impact on my generational line. I forgive them and I bless them. Awesome. Now we're going to place the cross between you and your generational line. So Father, I take the, the cross and I place it between everybody and their generational lines. We thank you for the generational lines behind everyone here. And we place the cross there and we want every blessing to keep coming through. All the good stuff come through the cross and continue to impact the generational lines. But I take the sword of the Spirit, Lord, and we just cut, cut the tie where the iniquity has come down. And it stops at the cross. It stops at the cross. Father, we just thank you for a shutting of that generational thing right now in the name of Jesus. Every demonic thing that's been allowed access, I bind you and strip you of your power in the name of Jesus and take you to the foot of the cross. I close that door. We close that door. Jesus, will you close those doors in the name of Jesus all the way back? Close the doors and the curse of it passing down. Every demonic assignment canceled bound and stripped of its power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I bless your destinies and I bless the generations you've come from. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to thank him for the generational line. Thank you for the good things. There's blessings. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And if you feel the Lord is prompting you to then let's go after this corporate thing, we only go after corporate strongholds if we feel that it's peace to do that, okay? So those of us who feel, yep, we're going after this corporate thing, we're going to go after this poor poppy thing where we chop people down if they look great and we've come into agreement with fear. Yeah. Just as a prophetic act to stand against that. Can we just hold hands, everybody? We, there's not disunity in this church. Uh, 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 uh. No, no longer, no longer, no longer. So, Father, we just repent on behalf of Australia and Australasia, but especially Australia. We repent, we stand in the gap on behalf of our nation for coming into agreement with this tall poppy syndrome. Just stand in the gap, see yourself as standing in that gap. We repent on behalf of this nation for the tall poppy syndrome, for chopping each other down if they get ahead. We repent in any ways we have done that in our own school years, in our adult years, that we've come into agreement with that practice. We repent right now in Jesus' name, and we thank you that you cleanse us from that unrighteousness. But we stand on behalf of the nation, and we repent, and we just come against this, Father. We repent, and we ask that you would bind the stronghold of thinking that is permeated. It's people teach people teach people to pe teach people. That's a, that's a corporate stronghold. It's a way of thinking. So we bind this corporate stronghold that comes in and schooling mostly, and we repent and we now bind and strip it of its power. We bind that corporate stronghold in the name of Jesus, and we ask you, Jesus, to hold that back, to bind it and strip it of the power and any of the demonic that sits on top of that, and to set people free from fear. We bind the corporate stronghold of be fearful of each other and the spirit of fear.
fear that's come on top of that. We come against it and we say, no, this nation will be people who stand tall, stand big. We are a nation of tall puppies in the name of Jesus. We are a nation of brave people. We thank you for the bravery. Begin to call forth the brave ones. We thank you. We call forth people into their destiny in the name of Jesus. We call forth. We bless people's strengths. Thank you for making people with amazing talents and giftings and insight and wisdom and understanding. Thank you for our diversity. Bless the diversity. Bless the creativity. Bless the intelligence. Bless the differences. We thank you for the differences. We call forth everyone, Jesus. No one being left behind. No one being left behind. We call forth people to take their place and their identity in Jesus' name. Stand up, Australia. Stand up and take your place and begin to move. Begin to move. We call forth the prophets, the evangelists, the apostles, the shepherds, the teachers. We call forth this nation, Father, to rise up and take their place and move. We come into agreement with who you say we are as a person, as an individual, as a church, and as a nation. We are who you say we are, and that's the, that's the end of it. We are who you say we are. We are who you say we are. We are who you say we are. That's the only thing we're coming into agreement with in this next season. And we're going in together. Three-legged race, not foxes with their tails tied together. We will not be divided. Thank you for each other. Thank you for the differences in this church. Thank you that all the gifts and all the leadership and all the blessings and all the servants, we're here together. We are it. We are the leaders corporately. We take our place. Give us courage. Give us courage. Help us take our place and to not let division enter this bloom. We love you. Thank you for this family. We bless each other. We do not curse each other. We bless each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Victory. Yes. Amen.